from Goebbels to Stalin to Biden. Today on Legalese, we are going to be talking about all the Josephs who cared about truth so much that they created entire departments to protect their citizens from its destructive influence. Fellow citizens of Oceania, before we begin today's two-minute hate, the party have a few announcements to make. In a double-plus good act of generous generosity on behalf of Big Brother and the Ministry of Love, each and every citizen of Oceania may turn in their televisions and computer monitors for a mandatory free upgrade to Big Brother's replacement technology known as the telescreen that promises to provide you double the screeny goodness as your old TV or monitor. That is because the telescreen is a two-way viewing device, which means that while you are enjoying your favorite Ingsoc-approved entertainment programs, the party will be watching you through your telescreen to make sure you are fully enjoying your new telescreen. This is because Big Brother cares about you and he loves you. And he can't watch over you if he can't watch you. Thank you to Big Brother's leadership in the battle that we are winning against East Asia, despite Goldstein and the Brotherhood's best efforts to impede our war against Eurasia through terrorism and subterfuge. The party also believes that the Brotherhood are behind the diabolical takeover of Twitter. They are attempting to destroy Instock assassinate Big Brother, and turn the proles against us by using this platform to spread some of the most terroristic thought crime one could imagine. Do not be drawn in with their lies about how freedom of speech, when we understand the truth, thanks to Big Brother, is that, in fact, slavery is freedom and ignorance is strength. To combat this thought crime, the party will be creating a new department within the Ministry of Truth that they will be calling the Disinformation Governance Board. This will expand many truths protection of the historical and factual information to make sure that only loyal party members have access to this kind of potentially very dangerous so-called information. And with that, comrades, let the two-minute hate commence. That threaten us all. We fight them, wherever we find them. Who are they? They are the dark arms of the unvaccinated. The dark, murdering arms. that care nothing for humanity or life. They live in dirt and filth, praising the virus. All over the world, we fight the anti-vaxxers. Too gone to be educated. We execute them. But even as we grasp the victory, there is a cancer, an evil tumor that praises the virus and wants you all to die a horrible death. Shout! Shout! Shout out his name. 
Greetings, and welcome back once again to a brand new episode of Legalese. This is a podcast where we discuss current events in law, politics, and culture. Uh, real quick, I want to let you know you can find the video version of the show on Rumble, YouTube, Substack, Spotify, and Odyssey. You can find the audio version on Anchor.fm and Substack, and you can come join the brand new Legalese community over on Locals.com. If you would like to become a supporting member, you can also sign up to do that on Locals for as little as 2 bucks a month. And you can do all of those things, plus read a bevy of articles that I frequently put out uh, over on Substack. So, as I'm sure most, if not all of you watching this, are aware, Joe Biden has created a new executive agency under the purview of the Department of Homeland Security, he has decided to call his new Ministry of Truth the Disinformation Governance Board. Today we will be doing a very deep dive into every facet of this new agency and I am going to do my best to discuss pretty much everything there is to know about this agency. And this is a topic that anyone who even has the slightest affection for constitutional government and individual liberty should be very, very concerned with. With just about every single imaginable facet of this organization, from their purpose to the lies and propaganda that they are already beginning to bombard us with in an effort to sell us a false bill of goods to the entire nation and to operate a secretly and opaquely run board. We will be doing our best to discern what its actual purpose is, try to get to the bottom of how they plan to achieve their goals, and we will be talking about the people who will be in control of this new department. Now, I was also hoping today to discuss why people calling for censorship should seriously reconsider their position. Uh, the total script turned out to be too long, so today is going to be part one. We're going to be talking about what exactly is the government, the disinformation governance board, what it does, what it says it will do, and then part two will be an examination of the arguments for and against censorship, as well as for and against a robust, if not absolute, right to freedom of speech and free expression. Now, anyone who has been following what has easily been the most ironic series of events to come out of Washington since George W. Bush crafted the most deplorably un-American piece of legislation, a piece of legislation which I think very few people realize was largely drafted by now Associate Justice Brett Kavanaugh when he was a White House lawyer, and this legislation was... Critically and ironically enough, known as the Patriot Act. Now, in Biden's bid to out Orwell George W. Bush, we have been hearing a constant refrain from every Democrat and corporate media mouthpiece. This is a common refrain that disinformation is an unprecedented crisis for democracy. However, much as Voltaire famously once quipped that 
The only problem with the Holy Roman Empire was that it was neither holy, nor Roman, nor an empire. We can say that the problem with this unprecedented crisis for democracy is that it is not unprecedented, nor is it a crisis, nor a democracy. Now, while I am uh, really something of somewhere between a stickler and slightly autistic in my insistence on accurate terminology, and I hate to refer to our government as anything other than the technically proper classification of federal republic, and I know many people who watch my show get very annoyed at anyone who refers to our country by any other term, uh, such as the less correct but still not totally wrong constitutional republic. But for the purposes of this video, I will largely be referring to our government as a democracy because this is the misinformed terminology being used by people who are complaining about the so-called crisis of information and disinformation. And to counter their nonsense, I have to try and meet them halfway, use their terminology, so please do not leave me frustrated comments about how we are actually a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Because we're not a constitutional republic, as I said, we're a federal republic, but uh, don't leave me angry messages saying that either. I, look, I, I don't like using inaccurate labeling any more than I know many of you out there do either. Now, we have been deluged recently by notable figures on the left for the past several months, whipping the nation up into a frenzy about the need for censorship. While calls for corporate censorship are nothing new, with notable authoritarians like Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, and Robert Reich calling on corporations to do the government's dirty work for them because they like to pretend that they care about the right of private companies to run their businesses as they see fit. And if a private company like Twitter wants to censor people, they say, well, that's just fine and dandy because they are a private company. Because they will insist there is no such thing as a cultural value of free speech, and that free speech only ever means the First Amendment, and it only ever applies to government. So, if these private companies censor, that's just fine and dandy, as I said. And it doesn't matter that the censorship uh, from these private companies has been coming from years of severe pressure and threats against the companies by the government who's not supposed to censor us, as they call these CEOs to Washington again and again to yell at them because they are not, quote, freely choosing, unquote, to run their company the way the government would like them to. And they put much pressure on these companies to, as I said before, pretty much do the government's dirty work for them, including threats that the government will step in if they fail to censor everything the left wants censored. And these companies respond in kind. That's just free enterprise and responding to market forces, they say. Because anything short of actual legislation or regulation that formally applies the force of law isn't government censorship, they will say. Now, if, if they were making a uh, genuine, sincere argument here, 
I would tend to disagree with them. But the fact is that no one has been fooled by this Saul Alinsky tactic by uh, the Democrats pretending that they are in the right by holding the other side to their own standard, knowing that for the most part conservatives, libertarians, and even most moderate liberals still tend to respect the right of private, private businesses to operate as they see fit. But those holding us to our standard never believed the standard that they were pushing. We always knew that, and they had made that perfectly clear. And because now that Twitter has gone from a publicly created company to a privately owned company, which would actually give them even more freedom to choose how they run their business than before, the censorious left have revealed themselves as the liars and hypocrites that they are because now that a private company wants to run their business in an entirely legal and ethical manner that goes against what the censorious left wants them to do, they have wasted no time doing an about-face and calling for actual, true, straight-up, real-state censorship. Recently, former President Barack Obama warned that disinformation in the digital age presents an unprecedented crisis for democracy. One of the biggest impediments to doing all of this, indeed one of the biggest reasons for democracy's weakening, is the profound change that's taken place in how we communicate and consume information. That came from an address at Stanford University on April 21st. Now, two weeks earlier, the University of Chicago Institute of Politics and the Atlantic hosted a what they described as groundbreaking three-day event on how to combat online disinformation. And a month before that, the New York Times published an op-ed by University of California Irvine Law Professor Richard L. Hassan Hassan. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, but whatever his name is, he argued, and I am quoting, there can be no doubt that virally spread political disinformation and delusional invective uh, about stolen rigged elections are threatening the foundation of our republic, end quote. And I do appreciate him using the term republic, even if the rest of what he said is absolute garbage, but it's neither here nor there. And we have seen lawmakers increasingly look to turn fears of disinformation into laws restricting free speech. One such proposal comes from, unfortunately, my uh, one of my state senators, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and what she is calling the Honest Ads Act, which is regularly featured in the Democratic election reform package, and much like H.R. 1, uh, that Freedom to Vote Act, and ironically, its title could be called disinformation because it has nothing to do, objectively speaking, with making ads honest. What this would do, this legislation would drive up the cost of speaking online through unprecedented regulatory burdens on ads related to social or political issues. It would force web platforms to warehouse data that ad buyers in public files, including the buyer's name, their address, 
uh, and minutiae about the ad's cost and viewership. It would impose rigid disclaimer requirements that would make many cost-effective forms of online advertising impractical. The bill even threatens to regulate political content on websites. YouTube and mass emails as well by removing a key protection from the law that limits campaign finance laws online to paid advertising. Its proponents will say policies like these are necessary because today's information environment is flooded with what they call, quote, cheap speech of little value, making it hard for voters to discern what's accurate. But I ask you, was it easier to discern accuracy when Hearst and Pulitzer were furnishing headlines? And if the news environment of the 1890s is too distant an example, consider 1990. When a 15-year-old Kuwaiti girl named uh, Naira, Naira, I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering that too, I apologize. But anyways, this young girl, a 15-year-old Kuwaiti girl, gave a gut-wrenching congressional testimony alleging to have witnessed Iraqi soldiers removing Kuwaiti babies from incubators and leaving them on the floor, on the cold floor, to die. I volunteered at the Aladan Hospital with 12 other women who wanted to help as well. I was the youngest volunteer. The other women were from 20 to 30 years old. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators, took the incubators, and left the children to die on the cold floor. It was horrifying. I could not help but think of my nephew, who, if born premature, might have died that day as well. Now, portions of her testimony aired on ABC's Nightline and NBC Nightly News, reaching an estimated 35 million and 53 million Americans, respectively, before airing on 700 other television stations and going virtually unchecked for nearly a year. Now, in the lead-up to the decision uh, to go to war uh, with Saddam Hussein, her gripping tale was invoked by none other than President George H.W. Bush six times in a single month. It was also cited by seven different senators in floor speeches given supporting the same cause, all to support the Gulf War. A full year after Congress authorized the use of military force in Iraq, her testimony was found to be not only powerful and emotional, but completely fabricated. In 1992, it was revealed that Nayira's last name was Al-Sabah, and she was the daughter of Saud Al-Sabah, the Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States. Furthermore, it was her revealed that her testimony, testimony was written and organized as part of the Citizens for a Free Kuwait 
public relations campaign, which was being run by American public relations firm Hill & Knowlton for the Kuwaiti government. Following this, Al-Sabah's testimony has come to be regarded as a classic example of modern atrocity propaganda. In fact, Amnesty International reacted by issuing a correction with Executive Director John Healy subsequently accusing the Bush administration of opportunistic manipulation of the international human rights movement. And this is really what is so dangerous, is that the greatest purveyors of disinformation in this country are and always have been the U.S. government and the corporate media. Which one of those is worse tends to shift over time. Certainly, I would say in the days of Hearst and Pulitzer, it was the yellow journalists leading the government down a path of politically motivated disinformation. Conversely, I would say since September uh, 11th, that it's largely been the government leading the disinformation with the corporate media there to mindlessly repeat it all on a loop 24 hours a day. From Saddam, Saddam Hussein's supposed involvement and direct assistance in planning the 9-11 terror attacks as both Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld claims claimed to the claims of his weapons of mass destruction, the claims that the NSA wasn't using the Patriot Act for mass surveillance of every single American. More recently, we have seen the Democrats' insistence on the accuracy of the Steele dossier, their claims that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election. Hillary went on to call him the illegitimate president for his entire four years in office. And the Democrats also claimed that the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election was rigged. Now, of course, Trump and his allies also claimed the 2020 election was stolen. Both of these parties are full of politicians who are often true believers in completely baseless, laughably wrong claims of disinformation. And many understand that they are supporting lies and actively choose to do it anyway. On top of that, there are many people in each party who uh, will do that purely for political advantage. No other reason. And, as I said, the corporate media is always ready to repeat their laughable lies uncritically. That we would trust anyone in government to decide for us what is true and what is not is one of the most perverse and terrifying things that I can imagine. I do not trust any politician, bureaucrat, or technocrat to tell me what is true or not. Now, fortunately, we have a very small handful of people in Washington willing to admit that this is, in fact, the case. Of course, one of the best being Rand Paul. 
Do we have policies? Do we have guardrails? Do we have yeah, standards? But here's the to problem. Ensure, we can't even agree. We can't even agree what disinformation is. This is you well, can't even agree that it was disinformation, that the Russians fed information to the Steele dossier. If you can't agree to that, how are we ever going to come to an agreement on what is disinformation so you can police it on social media? Legally, I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation. You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Same. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. You have a massive erection. Really? <laughs> yes, I do. So let's get to Joe Biden's plan that he has had in the works for some time now to deal with this so-called unprecedented crisis. That is his disinformation governance board. And while I hate almost everything about it, I guess I do very much appreciate that he was willing to give this board the most Orwellian sounding name possible short of actually just stealing George Orwell's own term, Ministry of Truth. Ah, Monker, c'est Mein Führer? Ich habe heute den Fall Klausowitz ausgegeben. Berlin und Frankstadt. Sie übernehmen als Kampfkommandant die Sicherung des Regierungsviertels. Mein Führer, wenn es in Berlin zur Schlacht kommt, wir werden kämpfen bis zum letzten Mann. Aber es sind noch über drei Millionen Zivilisten in der Stadt. Die müssen evakuiert werden. Ich verstehe Ihre Bedenken, Monke. Mein Führer? Aber wir müssen auch da Eiskratzer. Wir können jetzt keine Rücksicht auf sogenannte Zivilisten nehmen. Ah, Monke, ich habe heute den Fall Klausowitz ausgegeben. Berlin und Frankstadt. Sie übernehmen als Kampfkommandant die Sicherung des Regierungsviertels. Der Armee wird nicht zurückgenommen. Sagen Sie, Bosse, er soll kämpfen, wo er steht. Wir werden die im Norden und Osten bis an den äußeren Verteidigungsring vorstoßenden Sowjetverbände in einem rücksichtslosen, mit aller Kraft geführten Gewaltschlag zurückwerfen. Mit welchen Kräften, mein Führer? Die Gruppe Steiner wird von Norden her angreifen und sich mit der 9. Armee vereinigen. Wink soll mit der 12. Armee die Sache unterstützen. Auch auf die Gefahr hin, mich zu wiederholen, die 9. Armee muss zurückgenommen. Die 9. Armee ist nach Norden hin bewegungsunfähig. Die Feindkräfte übersteigen unsere Mannschaften um ein Ziel. Haben Sie noch Zweifel an einem Befehl? Ich glaube! 
Ich habe mich klar genug ausgedrückt. Früher oder später werden die Westmächte einsehen, dass nur wir die Bolschewisten aufhalten können. Wir sind das letzte Bollwerk gegen die asiatischen Horden. Wir müssen Berlin halten, nur wenige Tage. Dann machen wir mit den Amerikanern Kippe. Steiner konnte nicht genügend Kräfte für einen Angriff massieren. Der Angriff Steiner ist nicht erfolgt. Das war ein Befehl! Der Angriff Steiners war ein Befehl! Wer schickt mit Jeder hat mich belogen, sogar die SS! Die gesamte Generalität ist in zwei Geistern Haufen niederträchtiger, treuloser Feiglinge! Mein Führer, ich kann nicht zulassen, dass die Soldaten, die für Sie verbringen... Ist Feiglinge! Verräter, Versager! Mein Führer, was Sie da sagen, ist ungeheuerlich! Die Generalität ist das Geschmeiß des deutschen Volkes! Sie ist ohne Ehre! In a February 7th National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin, the DHS identified, quote, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives that sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions as one of three key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment. Those narratives, it says, included claims about election fraud and COVID-19, which fed grievances that inspired the violent extremist attacks during 2021, by which, of course, they are only referring to January 6th and not the rest of the year. Now, the new head of the Disinformation Governance Board, Nina Jankowitz, uh, has pledged to protect free speech despite a career of dissing and dismissing this right. After withering criticism of her appointment, Yankowitz declared the new board at Homeland Security will, quote, maintain the department's commitment to protecting free speech, end quote. And I think I speak for this all when I say that's exactly the problem. They have no commitment to protecting free speech. Uh, but I, I'm glad she's willing to be honest, even if it is in a somewhat circuitous fashion. The fact is, this is a woman who has spent her entire career denouncing what she would call First Amendment zealots, who would include people like myself who believe in a robust view of free speech. Now, as previously discussed, Jankowitz has made a career as an advocate for both public and corporate censorship, as well as spreading disinformation. She has been a popular figure on the left in assuring audiences that the free speech versus censorship framing is in fact a false dichotomy. Not surprisingly, she was one of the first to express outrage at the notion that Elon Musk might restore free speech rights to Twitter. She said, quote, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, 
what that would look like for the marginalized communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate amounts of this abuse. Jankiewicz has declared disinformation to be an American pathology and said, actually said, Joe Biden is the doctor who can cure that condition. Now, that pathology, however, appears to largely manifest itself on the right, coincidentally enough, for Jankowitz, who has been criticized for spreading much disinformation herself on subjects like the Hunter Biden laptop. She is a huge advocate of censorship, including calls to ban conservative publications from appearing anywhere on social media. In her article, How to Defeat Disinformation, an Agenda for the Biden Administration, published in Foreign Affairs in November of 2020, Jankowitz wrote that Biden needed to get into the business of regulating speech in a big way. Despite the outcry of many of us over the expansive censorship programs on social media, Jankowitz is still not satisfied as she has dismissed these programs as temporary surface-level changes to curb the spread of false claims. But, she says, social media companies continue to profit from the very structures and imperatives that are now driving groups of Trump-supporting reality-denying vigilantes to rally at ballot-counting centers across the country. And this has led Jankowitz to call for a good old-fashioned government control over speech. That is, she says, if Biden really is going to take this threat of disinformation seriously, in her words. And she has pushed the very same European censorship efforts that were recently championed by Hillary Clinton right after the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter. And let's be clear here. Nina Yankinges doesn't see free speech as either a natural right or even a civil liberty. She sees it as a threat and a nuisance and has literally refused, referred to it as an obstacle to be overcome. So I think it's time for us all to scrape our jaws off the floor and get to work. Not only Facebook, which has clearly been basically intransigent in fixing its own problems, but Congress, which through its own, you know, partisanship has really lost a lot of time and created such a large hole that we now find it ourselves in with Facebook now, you know, moving into the metaverse, which frankly, I want no part of if Facebook is at the helm. They've shown no corporate or technological responsibility to bring us into an area that could open us up to more and more harms. And we need Congress to do something about it, just like they would regulate an unsafe vehicle or airline. Well, you know, Ali, I think that for a long time, congressmen and women just didn't believe that online harms could become offline harms. Around this time last year, I was testifying before the House Intelligence Committee, and one of the members of that committee really took issue with my thesis that disinformation was dismantling democracy. And I thought of him on January 6th when, mm-hmm. you know, protesters were storming the Capitol. This is clearly a public safety issue. And now that is uh, being Lane 
bare before laid bare before us with these Facebook papers. So hopefully this is a wake up moment for Congress people. Obviously, there are free speech issues to get around here. But this is a country of ingenuity. Right. If, right. if the European Union can do this, if countries like Estonia can counter disinformation, they're small, they have less money than us. Then why can't the United States do it? Let's step up to the problem and protect people. And uh, Jankowitz essentially ha has called on Biden in the past to create exactly the thing that he has done at this point. Uh, in her article, she called to, quote, create a counter disinformation czar within the National Security Council and setting up a corresponding directorate. Now, that directorate was created in Homeland Security instead. Otherwise, that's exactly what has happened. And, of course, it turns out the Biden administration gave this power under the Department of Homeland Security to none other than Nina Jankowicz as the head of this directorate as the uh, censorship czar. And Jankowicz, however, has, ever since her nomination, been repeatedly assuring the public that it has nothing to fear with this new disinformation czar on its back. However, in history, as we will discuss much more in the next episode, the shores of civil liberties are littered with victims who accepted, trust me, I'm the government, as some kind of assurance. Alright, so this is where I'm going to leave things off for today. I will be back with the second part in the next day or two where we are going to be discussing why even those who are pro-censorship would, I believe, if they wanted to achieve their stated goals, actually look to a robust freedom of speech and expression for everything uh, as far as the protection of liberal democracy, to civil rights, to marginalize and minority communities, and even when it comes to people you believe to be wrong, dangerously misinformed, or even hateful. Now, I want to give a big thank you real quick here to a YouTuber named Bull Brand. And he was the one who created that amazing video uh, at the beginning, adopting the idea of the two-minute hate onto the people and values of the 21st century in America. Now, his full video is much longer, and it is every bit as good as the portion that I used, and the same goes for his other content as well. So, I have linked his original video and his YouTube page down in this video's description. Go check him out. If you like what I do, you will certainly appreciate him every bit as much. Now, for me, I would love to get your comments on the video today, uh, what you think of this, the Disinformation Governance Board. Let me know your answer down below, along with any other thoughts you have about anything that has been discussed here today. I really do always enjoy getting to read your guys' comments and interacting and discussing the topics with y'all. Now, if you like this video, uh, go ahead and hit that little thumbsy-uppy button. And I guess if you didn't like it, you can feel free to press that little thumbsy downy button if you wish, because I am a masochist and the fact is your hate gets me off.
you should also subscribe to the channel so you always know when new videos come out. Now, if you would consider becoming a supporting member of the show, either on Substack or on my brand new locals.com page, you can join either one and support the show for as little as two bucks a month. I also gladly accept one-time tips over on Anchor, PayPal, or Venmo. And look, if you can't afford to put your financial faith behind the show right now, I certainly understand and I still do very much appreciate you dropping by and sharing some of your time here with me today all the same. And that goes for whether you are a first-time viewer or a long-time ride-or-die subscriber. Now, you can also support the show entirely for free by posting episodes superfluously to your social media. And if you could just take a moment right now and think of a friend or two who you think would also enjoy my content. And before you close this browser tab and move on with your day, just take a few seconds to send them the link to the show. Now, if you guys would be willing to do that, I would be truly, truly grateful So until next time, this has been Bob for Legalese, discussing Biden's Ministry of Truth, and of course, as always, Cartago de Lenda Est.